Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome out here to Sports Call today, on location for the first time in a while. My name is Brant Daughtry, being joined by Cam Berry and our intern, Andrew Martin. We are out at Glenn Smith Chevrolet Buick GMC in Opelika. And today, we are promoting a cause that is a little bit bigger than us. Uh, the Community Foundation of East Alabama is here accepting donations um, for uh, a relief fund going towards the victims of the shooting that occurred last weekend in Dadeville. Um, if you want to come by, they are here from, from 2 to 6 today taking donations. Uh, I'll, I'll start the show off with a little read. The Community Foundation of East Alabama is announcing a relief fund dedicated to supporting the families and community of Dadeville who have been affected by the tragic shooting that occurred on the evening of April 15th. The Caring for Dadeville Fund will be used to, excuse me, the Caring for Dadeville Fund will be used to directly provide resources to those organizations that are supporting and addressing the needs of affected families and the community at large. 100% of these funds, minus the credit card feeds, will be distributed as grants to these organizations and partners. The United Way at Lake Martin will assist in distributing the funds. We must all come together, support those on the ground tirelessly addressing the needs of the communities and the families affected by this tragic loss of life. Through this fundraiser, we can all send love and compassion to the people and town of Dadeville. To donate, please visit caringfordadeville.org. Again, you can visit that website. You can come by and see us, and we've got a QR code that you can scan if that's how you want to donate. You can also come and donate physically. Uh, there are representatives from the Community Foundation of East Alabama. They are here today from 2 to 6. Again, we are at Glensmith Chevrolet Buick GMC in Opelika on 600 Columbus Parkway off uh, exit 62 off I-85. A uh, big thank you to Jerry Potter, uh, the representative here for Glensmith, getting us set up. Uh, and guys, we've got a lot to talk about today, uh, but before we got started, I, I just wanted to, to give that because there's a reason we're out here today, and I think it's really important that we lead off with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really tragic situation that happened in Dadeville uh, just this past Saturday, and um, glad to be out here to be able to support it um, and do do our part in, in giving awareness and and really just donating to this fund and, and doing our piece. So uh, very glad to be out here at Glenn Smith Chevy, and, um, yeah, just, just glad to be here. It's a good day. Absolutely it is. Again, our intern, Andrew Martin, joining us first time on the show, first time on a full show for you, Andrew. Uh, how are you? Glad to have you out here, man. Hey, doing great. It's like, I know, I say it's kind of like a little different now. It's like I always thought my first show would be in studio, but it's actually kind of special to be here on site for my first ever show. It's like glad to be here, especially it's like after what happened last weekend, like just completely senseless, and I'm just glad to be out here on site for a good cause. Absolutely. Yes, glad so, to have you. Uh, uh, before we continue, big thanks to Braden Gentry back in our Tire Communication studio. He Shout is going to be our, our uh, board op for today's show. On today's show in the world of sports, we'll go in order chronologically. A lot of basketball news that happened today. Uh, first off, this morning, LeBaron Phylon, a four-star out of, um, where is he from? 
Uh, he's out of Baker, out of Mobile. Out of Baker, that's right. He's out of Baker High School. He decommitted early this morning. Uh, a couple of hours later, it broke that Auburn was hiring Corey Williams as an assistant coach uh, to replace the departed Wes Flanagan. Um, and uh, just about 30 minutes before we came on air, Chaney Johnson, a small four to transfer out of the University of Alabama Huntsville, uh, has committed to Auburn, averaged about 16.5 points last year, shot over 50% from the field, or just under 50% from the field, shot about 37% from three-point range, a, a versatile 6-7 forward wing player, can play the three or the four, give some legitimate competition at those two spots. So, um one loss, but two gains on the day for Auburn basketball, and I'm really excited about both of these kids. Yeah, yeah, great, great um, pickup there from um, for Bruce Pearl and the staff for uh, getting Cheney Johnson, who was ranked the number seven small forward in the transfer portal. Uh, well, some people have him as a as a power forward, others have him as a small forward. He's really just a combo forward wing guy that can really play both positions, uh, and that's going to be big time. Really, what what really stands out is is his ability to. Uh, shoot the three, 37.2% from the three-point line. Uh, he's got two years of eligibility remaining, uh, so he'll probably be a, a solid addition, a good depth piece coming off the bench. Um, could be a starter. We, we don't know yet just based off. Um, we're waiting to see the decisions of Alan Flanagan and the decisions of Jalen Williams. And Jalen, as you know, is testing the waters for um, – for the NBA and, and uh, seeing how things go for him and he might come back and uh, more than likely you'd assume that he'll be the starter and uh, have have Johnson coming off the bench but J- Johnson could also start at the three um, as well so you, you never know um, and then getting um, C- uh, Corey Williams who is a basketball savant when it comes to coaching and was a great player um, played with the 1993 NBA championship Bulls team so he's been at that level he's made it there um, and then he also coached with the elite eight um, with the um, excuse me with the Arkansas Razorbacks um, and uh, he's he's been uh, he was the associate head coach or excuse me he was the interim head coach at Texas Tech this past season as after they let let go of their head coach uh, midseason so he has that experience uh, he's been at that NBA level so he brings a lot of, of good um, of good experience to the staff a, a really perfect replacement for uh, Wes Flanagan and uh, uh, really excited to see what he's able to do uh, with the decommitment of Phylon you know that's probably more to do with Wes Flanagan leaving uh, Auburn yeah, honestly, he, he was because, his primary yeah, recruiter he wasn't was, he? he was yeah. the primary recruiter for uh, for Phylon so you you never uh, you know you know sometimes that just comes with coaching changes you lose commits here and there that is the second decommit that Auburn's had for that 24 class uh, we we do still have um, uh, Tahad, who who's a five star. Tahad so, Pettiford, yes, yeah. Tahad Pettiford, uh, who's who's a five star uh, point guard as well. Uh, Phylon was more of a combo guard and six four, so he could kind of do the same thing. Really, almost the exact same build if you think about it as Chance Westry. Uh, it, it's it's guys like that. Um, that you're, you're that Bruce is trying to bring in and, and really have that consistency. They're still going to work on him. You know, still the opportunity to have him recommit to Auburn. Uh, you never know. Uh, how things like that will will play out it's it's um not panic mode yet for that 24 class there's plenty of other guys that we're still in uh there's uh, another combo shooting guard camp scott that auburn is still really in on and then there's also flory badinga who's like the number two ranked player in the class who's also um auburn's really pushing for as well so there's plenty of plenty of time to really get that figured out in the 24 roster um, and uh, yeah, just excited about all the opportunities that we're going to have, and uh, hopefully, you know, um, 
we might get the opportunity to get Phylon back, so we'll see. Absolutely. So before we continue any further, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports today, April 21st. We'll start with the ones. Well, let's work our way up. First up, turning 25 today is Jarrett Allen. He's an NBA center for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was selected 22nd overall in the 2017 NBA draft by the Nets out of Texas. He was a 2022 All-Star. While at Texas, Allen was 2017-13 All-Big 12 and was McDonald's All-American as a senior in high school in 2016. Also in impeccable fashion since, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so sarcastic that anybody picked up. Yeah, well, like, well his, his whole thing is he doesn't understand why NBA players dress as fancy as they do, I mean, why, hey, I why fashion's as big a deal as it is. He, he shows up in a hoodie and sweatshirt. That's fair. Sweatpants. I respect it. And I love every second of it. Turning 66 today is Jesse Orozco, former MLB pitcher. He was a two-time All-Star and two-time MLB World Series champion. He holds the MLB records for most career games pitched with 1,252 appearances. He played for the Mets, Dodgers, Indians, Brewers, Orioles, Cardinals, Padres, Yankees, and Minnesota Twins. Je- Jesse Orozco turns 66. A couple of MLB records there and two World Series championships. Yes, sir. Career. Turning 43 today is Tony Romo. He's a cor- current NFL commentator for CBS Sports and probably more known on this show for his quarterbacking of the Dallas Cowboys. He went undrafted in 2003 out of Eastern Illinois but made the roster for the Cowboys as an undrafted free agent. Became a starter for them and in 2014 was a second-team All-Pro. Made the Pro Bowl four times. He was a 2014 NFL passing rating, passer rating leader. The 2014 completion percentage leader. And at Eastern Illinois, Romo won the 2002 Walter Plate. Walter Payton Award. He's the three-time OVC Player of the Year, three-time first-team All-OVC, and his number 17 is retired by the Eastern Illinois Panthers. He is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, and in my opinion, an underrated NFL quarterback. Uh, yeah, I, I don't dislike Tony Romo. I think a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans hold him a little bit higher. Maybe, maybe you love him, maybe you hate him. That's because kind of how he was. Yeah, uh, but he was a, he was definitely a solid quarterback. I, I, uh, I, I always thought Tony Romo got more hate than he deserved, but I understand why. Uh, and lastly, and certainly not least, Carnell Cadillac Williams turns 41 today, the associate head coach and running backs coach of the Auburn Tigers, former NFL running back who selected fifth overall in the 2005 NFL draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of Auburn. He also played for the St. Louis Rams in 2005. He was the NFL offense rookie of the year. Uh, made the all-rookie team. While at Auburn, Carnell rushed for 3,831 yards on 741 attempts, 5.2 yards per carry, and 45 touchdowns. His career total of 5,033 all-purpose yards ranked second-time all-time, or second all-time, excuse me, in school history. He was the 2004 Special Teams Player of the Year. Uh, my favorite player growing up was Cadillac Williams. My earliest memory of Auburn football, one of my earliest memories overall, is seeing him go 80 yards on the first play of the game against right. Alabama in 2003. That was uh, absolutely uh, Cadillac, one of my favorite players, and I, uh, you know, I absolutely loved watching him lead the Auburn team uh, this past season. We are going Dude, to take awesome. Absolutely, we are going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we'll get to the Auburn Bank phone line. You are listening to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Perfect, Sports Call at thetiger.fm. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back to Sports Call. Brant Daughtry, Cam Barry, and Andrew Martin out here at Glensmith Chevrolet Buick GMC in Opelika. Again, today we are promoting the Dadeville Strong Relief Fund uh, after the tragic shooting that occurred uh, this past weekend. We are uh, out here. Collect- the Community Foundation of East Alabama is, con- is collecting funds uh, to, pro- to provide to a relief fund to families uh, and members of that community that are in need. We're going to have a lot of representatives out here from the Dadeville community at some point today. Most of them should get here around 4 o'clock. We'll have the head coach of the Dadeville football team, Coach Roger McDonald, will be out here. We'll have uh, members of the Dadeville softball team are going to be making an appearance. Uh, again, all of that sometime around 4 o'clock. So please, uh, if you're able to give, come out, be a part of this community uh, outreach program that we're doing right now um, because it is desperately needed. If you cannot make it, you can visit caringfordadeville.org org to go and donate so uh please if you are able uh give whatever you can uh but for now let's go back to the auburn bank phone line first up on the line today is retired war dam steve steve joins us now steve how are you hey i'm doing great guys uh thank you for taking my phone call i'm glad that, to hear that you're doing this uh really commendable uh charitable uh, uh event uh for um the, the the tragic event that happened uh, over the past week. Uh, now the name of the uh, website is called DadevilleCare.org. Caring for Dadeville.org. Caring, Caring for Dadeville. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. All right, thanks. Let me know that. All right, mm-hmm. uh, and of it's course. Cam, Britt, and uh, Andrew. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes, sir. The, yes. Uh, yes. Is it the unholy trio here? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> something, something like that. Something like that for sure. All right. Now, guys, I heard your comments at the beginning of the show, and I got to tell you guys, there's no there's no way to really put a good spin on this decommitment. Uh, this guy was Mr. Basketball in Alabama. And... Yeah, LeBaron Phylon decommitting is uh, is is absolutely not is is not a good thing. It's not ex- it's not totally unexpected, given the departure of West Flanagan. But uh, it is certainly disappointing. But the good news is the kid is not signed anywhere yet. Auburn could still be in the mix. I'm not sure if Auburn will continue to pursue him. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it is no there is no good way uh, to spin losing the commitment of LeBaron Phylon. If it was only him, but you know, we've had a rash of really highly recruited, you know, players. We just lost Peyton Marshall, and we lost Chance Westry. So I'm wondering if we need to stop, you know, using this word committed or someone's commitment and use some other uh, descriptor uh, that's more appropriate. Because a commitment to me, I'm old school, means you are, like, you know, committed. Uh, That means you are standing uh, with whatever it is that you say that you're, you know, uh, allegiances to, uh, just like Grace and uh, Brooke Chivers are committed to each other. Uh, I hope one of them don't decide to enter the transfer portal tomorrow, you know? Yeah, well, well, yeah. I totally understand that. I, and to, to answer the first thing, the Peyton Marshall situation. That was more of a a split a, a yeah that, that was more split mutual than yeah. a player deciding he didn't want to come here anymore it feels like auburn is trying to go a different direction uh okay. you, you mentioned chance Cam flory flory badunga uh, chance westry i mean that just and didn't he was work on the roster right? yeah, he, he, he was he was here he was here and he decided to go somewhere different because his first year just didn't I mean, work we out did we don't know what all this the, what all happened to rehabilitate guys I mean, we, yeah, but I mean, it happens. We did to the, not. It we did not do the surgery, you know? but he it, did have surgery, and, right. and it was 
it was uh, certainly not a good look to lose Chance Westry. But sometimes players want a fresh start, Steve, and you can't you know you can't fault them for that. It just is what it is. Sometimes they feel like the environment that they're in, they need a change. And really, Westry's from Pennsylvania, so that's more going back to Syracuse is more north for him. I bet you that's closer to family for him anyway. So that's probably a better area for him to be in. He's closer to home, relatively speaking. And to, to answer your thing about the commitments, don't we talked to... these places, okay? If, if that's we, we, we talked about... Than, uh, Steve? Steve? Yeah? You, you, to answer your thing about the commitments, we talked to Cole Pinkston uh, earlier this week, and he said to him, to recruiting people in general, commitment just means you as a player are reserving your spot. Uh, you, you are... Because, you know, every team has a certain number of rosters that they're able to give out. That in 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 college athletics, yes, it is. It means you're reserving right. your spot, and it's Re- very possible okay. for a kid or or even a school to renege on that. Okay, so I'll uh, rethink the word commitment from here on out. Uh, so what I thought that it used to mean. Uh, but guys, let me ask you candidly: Is this a Bruce Pearl issue now, or is this a uh, uh, an Auburn issue, or is this a West Flanagan? Because you know he's also being recruited by Ole Miss before he committed uh, to us. I'm talking about Fireland. And now I'm I'm waiting, you know, with bated breath to see if he goes to Ole Miss. Well, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a Bruce Pearl issue. You know, he has his assistants be primary um, recruiters for some of these players because obviously Bruce can't be everywhere all at one time. That's why we, that's why he has these uh, assistants help him out. Um, And it just so happened that Wes Flanagan was the primary recruiter for Phylon and it, I mean, they probably created a close relationship. It would not surprise me at all if he were to decide to go to Ole Miss. Um, It's just, you know, when you create that relationship with a coach, whether it, you know, he's not going to associate it with just the program of Auburn. He's going to associate it West with Wes Flanagan. And even though he was recruiting for Auburn at the time, he probably likes that relationship that he built with Flanagan and might, might, you know, look into that and see if he's interested in going into Ole Miss or he could go somewhere else. You never know. He, I mean, he was being recruited by Alabama as well. Uh, I think Alabama was also in, in his top five. So oh, yeah, Kansas there's was multiple Arkansas. options. And can exact so he was he was recruited by many many high 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 programs right so you, we can't really say that this is more of a a problem um, that Bruce has any type of problem I mean he just got the commitment today for Cheney Johnson in the in the transfer portal so I don't think it's a problem right, but he's a division two player let's be candid right, he's he, a division two but. Okay, but that for, he's a really will, good division really two player. You better hope he's a good player. division one right, player you too. Can't hold, well, I hope just so because too, because two guys, Ryan LaVoy even has some reservations about him as well. You know, mentioning that you know just because he plays as good at the division two label may not translate uh, when it comes to the higher caliber, talented players at division one. And th- and that's very true, but Bruce Pearl knows more about basketball than you or I. And, and if they're good, they'll well, I find so. you. Steve, yeah. if if you're a talented player, like he wouldn't he wouldn't offer Cheney Johnson an opportunity to play here at Auburn if he didn't think that Johnson would be a very a quality contributor, right? I don't. I think we can be able to trust that based off what Bruce has done in the past that he knows the type of players that he wants and the program that he wants to build and and how he wants his teams to go. I think we can trust how uh, how he's done over the past few years and built this program that we know that Bruce what Bruce is doing. 
Well, and, and I hope that your um, perspective is a correct one, um, because this just has not been a well be. In fact, I'm no longer going to get excited for people committing until signing day from here on out, because apparently hey, that's, that's fair. That, that that's should fair. be that that's, should be. That should have been the move for about the past half decade. Now. That's totally fair. Commitments, you know, they they don't mean much until you until you sign. You can say they're committed, and that's fine, and that's exciting. But until they put pen to paper, um, I wouldn't. I that's fine, Steve. I would. I would. I would agree. I mean, Phylon was a twenty-four player anyway, right? So there's a whole year away before we even think about think about him being on the roster. So there's plenty of time for us to re-recruit, rebuild. Go to go for different players. It's a it's a whole different perspective. Like there's a whole year just to even rebuild how we want to do this 24 class. So I wouldn't be too worried about it now. Um, as you know, things kind of progress more in the fall. You know, and we're not picking up any uh, any commitments. Then maybe you know there's some some worry there. I would understand. But as of right now, we're st- we haven't even gotten to the 23 season yet um, and seen where we are with those players. So I I wouldn't worry too much about it just yet. Okay, uh, and guys, you know, just a, you know, in context, you know, I make these comments because, you know, uh, to me it's disappointing uh, to see these young kids, you know, just, you know, being so blasé and, um, you know, blasé fair, so to speak, about their, you know, uh, committing uh, to university. Or, and see, in, in, when I was growing up, you know, the players that, for the most part, came uh, to Auburn because they make their comments known, they say to you, because they loved Auburn. They loved uh, the experience, uh, the uh, camaraderie, the, the family uh, atmosphere, and they loved Auburn. It didn't matter maybe as much as it does now who the coach was or not. And that's, uh, that was the context I was coming from. All right, uh, enough of my... Well, it, Steve, let me, let me answer that by saying this. In the, in the world of modern college sports... The head coach controls every aspect of your daily life, whether it is the season or it is not. If you do not like the coach, then your life is made miserable. It's fair. It, you absolutely you cannot you cannot play for a coach you don't like. If a coach changes, it changes literally every aspect of your life. Yes, you can absolutely love Auburn all you want to, but if the new coach comes in and he's not any good and he doesn't like you, then all of a sudden things get a lot more difficult for you, and you will have better opportunities elsewhere. So, I love Auburn. I've always loved Auburn. I've said before, my uncle played at Auburn. The reason he came to Auburn when he committed as a senior in high school, he said, "If I can't play football, Auburn is where I'll be happiest," and that is why he came to Auburn. But that was in 1984. Five. It is forty years later. Mindsets are totally the, different. The the landscape has changed. It is a billion dollar industry. It is not remotely close to what it used to be. So I'm with you. I wish kids just came to Auburn because they loved Auburn. But there are so many more factors that go into this that did not exist in the 80s and 90s. Fair enough. And. Uh what you're saying probably has a great deal of merit. It just disappoints me that that's the uh, the turn of events in sports. Anyway, college level. That's All right, um, guys, uh, a shout-out. More damn happy 41. Is that right to Mr. Cadillac? Yes, that is correct. That is correct, 41 wow. for Cadillac Williams. Boy, I am getting older. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, me, me too, man. Like, like I said earlier, my, my earliest memories of Auburn football are watching Cadillac Williams run. Hey, I ran uh, when he was uh, a freshman. It just started, you know, and they're having a you know, fan day, and I ran to get his autograph, you know, after they were getting ready to leave. So that was a long time ago. Uh, all right, guys, about the uh, upcoming uh, games in softball and baseball. Now, 
we've got to at least win two out of three against the state. I mean, they're not a juggernaut, right? They no, are not. two two years removed from a World Series, uh, right. College World Series, but uh, at this point. Uh, have Program, fallen off yeah. pretty hard. Programs fallen off pretty hard. But you can say the same thing about Auburn. <laughs> yeah, but but if you're if if you're you know if you heard our conversation with Kevin Ives or their conversation with Kevin Ives yesterday, uh, he said Mississippi State is not a good away team, just like Auburn. Uh, so if if this is really an oppor- this is really a series that Auburn needs to win, uh, needs to take two out of three, really. Really, hopefully, you want to get three out of three, but you know, I, I that's fine. Sunday pitching, everybody gets it. Okay, um, but you got to get those those first two. Definitely, you got to be got to get those if you're Auburn. And and with softball, um, I, I do not know how good Alabama's uh, softball team is. I they're, would assume they're they're, pretty decent. U- they're usually yeah they're championship usually competitors. Yeah, so I think they're highly ranked. They're what? They're in the top. 20, I think, this year. I'm not so, positive uh, where they are. I was like, it's Iron Bowls. Like, they're going to be bringing it this weekend. Yeah. So it's going to be really tough. Good. Well, if uh, Matty Penny can just, you know, throw 200 pitches, we, we, we've got them. Right. Right. Yeah. Just, Matty Pinson will start two of the three games. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, if she, and, if she uh, pitches if, 200, 200 pitches, then we've got the, the wins. Oof. Yeah, she she yeah. she can throw two hundred pitches over. She can throw no. way more than two hundred pitches I know. over just, two I'm, starts. I'm just being sarcastic. If she goes two hundred pitches, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, she's dead in the water. Uh, all right, guys, moving on real quickly. Do you know what status is on our uh, golf SEC tournament? Uh, yesterday we had dropped out of the top ten. Uh, I have no idea. Tournament. I have not looked at that at all. Actually, okay. I know Don't they were know playing again status. today. No, yeah, yeah, Cam, Cam is googling it now. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get back on there. What's okay. you got? What else you got, Fine. Steve? Finally, finally, guys. On a on a funny note, uh, this comes from the History Channel today. In 1980, on this date, a event that is held every year, and it's a sporting event uh, that the, the public uh, participates in. Well, a rather remarkable and rather shameful uh, outcome occurred in this event. In 1980, on this date, do you happen to chance to guess at what happened? On April 21st in 1980, I have no idea. It was uh, the Boston Marathon, is what it was involving in. And a lady by the name of Rosie Louise, age 26, supposedly won the women's division of the Boston Marathon. Okay? And then it came out eight days later. They stripped her of victory because, you know what she did? She jumped into the race about a mile before the finish line. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> I've heard I've heard of people doing things like that before, actually. Yeah, well, they had to go back and look at the uh, the shots, and they never did see her at the beginning or in the middle. And she jumped into the darn race about a mile before the uh, the finish line. And get this: not only did she do that, but she, apparently she had also taken the subway. While the other runners uh, were in the midst of uh, running the marathon before uh, in order to get there, so uh, it was, this was uh, just hilarious that she did do this. Of course, they stripped her of her title, uh, and I just thought, wow. So yeah, I remember because uh, I'm that old. Yes, uh, this is happening, and at first, I mean, she she broke a record. I said, wow, 
you know. And then it took about almost eight days later, and they came, they stripped of her title, and they found that yeah, she jumped into the race about a, a mile, you know, from the finish line. So that's how she won. If you didn't know it then, now you do, guys. Uh, Steve, I do have an update for you on the golf team. Uh, we are, yeah. are 11th right now um, and plus five uh, for Auburn. Oh, that's the leader, Tennessee, is good. sitting at uh, minus 14. Yeah, Tennessee sitting at minus 14. Texas A&M sitting at minus 13. I know Alabama was in the top three yesterday. Yeah, Alabama's tied for fourth right now uh, with eight under. Wow, so we um, are disappointingly not doing that well then. Not doing yeah, well. Pretty, pretty like bad. pretty bad last two days, apparently. Okay, guys, uh, I thank you for letting me on the show, as always. I uh, appreciate your time, and I really want to commend you on, on doing this uh, charitable event uh, for the uh, tragic event that occurred. So with that, uh, I know Mr. Brooks Childress and some of the gang uh, will be at his wedding tomorrow. So hope all goes well, and... Uh, I wish them uh, both the very best. You guys have an enjoyable weekend. And uh, until uh, next time, which will hopefully be Monday, you guys, War Eagle to you. Thank you. That was retired War Dam Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Guys, uh, with <clears throat> actually, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take our next break here in the show. Uh, and when we come back, we'll talk probably a little more basketball and uh, maybe some NBA draft as or NFL draft as well uh, when we come back. Uh, you are listening to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back here to Sports Call. Let's talk a little NBA, or excuse me, I, keep, I said that again. Let's talk a little NFL draft, guys. We were talking about it a little bit at the break. Andrew, you think that this draft is very top-heavy, and there's a lot of bust potential here. Why don't you expand on that for a second? Well, it's kind of this one. It's kind of, I'll start with the QBs. I mean, it's like it feels like no doubt. It's like top two is going to be Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Like, they've got the most potential, I feel like, are your best chances if you're looking to find new quarterbacks, like especially what we're going to see from the Panthers and Texans, see what they're going to do. Right. It's kind of everyone's after that is like especially like I've just seen a lot coming from what the experts say about Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. I mean it's like it's like boomer bust. Like in my opinion, it's like with when it comes to drafting those two guys, like it's either like you're gonna look look like a genius for going that, or that like you're gonna get fired within two years based on those two. So, I mean it feels like like because of what we saw of Josh Allen propel is like is kind of what they're seeing that same effect out of Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. And it's like, Kind of my opinion. This is seeing Anthony Richardson, everyone like rave about his combine. It's like it feels like Zach Wilson 2.0, like all over again. Yeah, I, I don't know. The Anthony Richardson thing is so interesting to me it's because if he hits, oh my, you've gosh, got an, you've got hits, a superstar. But there's there's also the possibility that he is terrible. He's got he's got all the athletic ability in the world. He can throw it on a dime from a mile away. I just think he needs one more year of college. I, I really, I, you know, he's in the draft. It, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, he's not coming back to college. But I would have preferred to have seen him been one more year, stay one more year in college um, and maybe develop a little bit more because at this point, you know, the, he has the intangibles. That's totally fine. And, and he's got the athleticism. That's great. Um, but he's going to be a project. Whether I think that's kind of the universal understanding. I don't think anybody expects him to be an immediate 
starter. Maybe, I mean, I've seen some things where Carolina is looking at him at one, but I do ultimately think that they go Bryce Young. I do too. Um, <laughs> but there, he, he's a project quarterback at the end of the day. He's he's gonna It's going to take some time, maybe a couple years, for him to really develop and be ready um, to to be that starting superstar quarterback that I think he really can be. I think he really can be that. I mean, I kind of want to touch on that. So, I mean, especially when you saw the way he played at Florida 22, it was like right. there was kind of a reason, like especially he wasn't a full-time star his junior years. Like there was a reason like Emory Jones was starting ahead of him in, tw- in 21, even though like later season they are both split and rest. It was like right. he's just like just very raw. It's like, I mean, also I think what didn't help him especially is like the coaching change as far as like he was like Dan Mullen guys. I felt like fit a Dan right. Mullen offensive system. It was like right. especially his junior, his like past year under a Billy Napier system. It's like it may have kind of hindered him, but I was like, We'll just have to see. It's like we got. But it's like it's gonna have to be like the exact right coaching, the exact like system, like for him to succeed in. The thing with me about him coming back to college for another year is when you look, I, I, why would he come back? He's already, he's projected to be a top five guy I mean, right at this now. point. Yes, because of what he, he could be. Yeah, things. he could be a guaranteed one one, but. If the difference between one one and one five is not worth another year in college, I don't think. Yeah, uh, especially if you can just go ahead and get your pro career started. And look, the NFL has good development too, probably That's better true. than college development. You, you Without a doubt, be very much correct. And here's the other thing: if him as a quarterback doesn't work out, you can probably move him to wide receiver, and he'll, he'll probably be a pro bowler. <laughs> I mean, that, I don't, I don't know that, I but you can it, certainly I, understand. I get, I get what you're saying. I, I do. Um, I, I kind of agree with you about what you said, Andrew, about him splitting time. His I think that was his sophomore year it right? was. Um, with Emory Jones. That definitely hurt him a little bit because it was very clear that he that was, was a failure better. of Dan Mullen. That, that was, was one of many failures yes. of Dan Mullen very is that two-quarterback system. It was very clear that Richardson was the better quarterback than Emory Jones. So that, that definitely hurt him some. I think he definitely could have been um, – I think he would have been more ready just overall if he hadn't split that time whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, they, if there had just been a clean switch, um, then maybe he'd be more ready. And 22, he had a, a rough overall season, uh, but he was the clear starter. He worked through some different uh, bumps and bruises. Uh, I mean, but you're right. I guess you could say maybe college coming back just doesn't help him whatsoever. He could be the 1-1. I, th- I think that class only really has – two true quarterbacks that'll definitely go in the top five in, in Drake May and Caleb Williams. Um, and so he could have been the third best quarterback at worst. That's my mindset. Mm-hmm. But maybe it hurts him that he comes back in college. We've seen that also happen as well. Maybe he could have transferred. You never know. But he's in the draft. He could be a top ten pick. Uh, a lot of people, it's very iffy because, I mean, even with Houston, you know, some people are saying they might trade back. They might they might not take a quarterback because that entire roster isn't ready whatsoever to even really hold a solid quarterback Mm -hmm. so you you never know they could end up going edge they could end up going trading back uh, and gaining some assets for the future Uh, they're going to have to completely rebuild that team from the ground up they have a running back in Damian Pierce that's really good they have um, a a corner they have the wide receiver Uh, I'm I'm losing names right now (laughs) Um, oh Derek Stingley they drafted Derek Stingley this year That's the corner. They have a really solid and talented safety that they drafted, I think, late in the first round that ended up being better than uh, what was expected. I think his name is Jalen Petre, if I remember correctly. Um, and that name sounds familiar. He's, sure. he's really, really talented on the back end. So they just need some pieces. They, they, they're they going to have to build up a lot to even be 
be um, a decent team. So the a quarterback isn't an immediate need. Obviously, you do want to get a quarterback, especially with as high as they are, but they'll be bad next year. Right, they'll be bad <laughs> next year. It's, it's really, truly what they're going to be. They could really just wait for Caleb Williams and Drake May next year, and and build off of somebody like uh, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or um, Tyree Wilson, any of those guys that that are really, really talented. So they, it'll be interesting to see where Houston decides. And the same with Arizona as well. They could trade back. They need an edge. They do not need a quarterback. Um, uh, even though Kyler Murray is coming off of the ACL injury, uh, that's it's going to take some time definitely um for him to recover um so it's interesting to see where a lot of these top 10 teams going because all of these draft experts have their top 10 almost completely different outside of maybe bryce young going number one and i think that's switched up in a couple places um i i it's all over the place really with how the top 10 ends up shaking out so it'll be an interesting draft i'm really really excited and um yeah it's it's going to be a lot to handle for sure what do you guys make of the rumors that C.J. Stroud is sliding down the boards? Because I don't buy it at all. I, I have always said I will always value a guy's tape in college over whatever he does at the Combine or whatever Wonderlick score he has and, or whatever. And I understand you, you need a quarterback who's smart. But I, I, for whatever reason, C.J. Stroud is rumored to be sliding, and I, I don't buy that. I, still, I think C.J. Stroud is a, a still a top-five player in yes, this draft, yes. regardless of position. He's a top-five guy. I mean, it's like it's like I I don't know what to make of it. It's like like I I think I, think I agree with you there, Brand. It's like just go go off town alone. It's like we saw what he did in his two years at Ohio State. It's like he's got the abilities to be there. It's like I I think, I think so, someone I think just may have it out for CJ Stroud. Like don't know why, <laughs> but like I feel like the the way what 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 he's capable of doing and what you could see out of him is like it, I think it'd be foolish like to just run his information just like let him tank. It's like or or else like. Like if you actually take this seriously, you'd be letting him slide as someone you don't want to see him go to. It's like that. There's kind of like kind of a gambit you're playing there. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I I'm not buying it either. It's going to be you know he's more than likely going to go in the top five. Um, if if the Texans don't take him, if say the Panthers don't take him at one, who's at three? Arizona's not taking him. He's got to go to Indianapolis, right? At that point, he's got to go to Indianapolis. But I've also read that they are in love with Will Levis. I don't buy the Will Levis talk. <laughs> I don't the, at all. Will, Will Levis is, has kind of disappeared you from know, the view in the just, last couple of weeks. It is what it is. We'll see. Um, but that's just not something that exactly I'm buying into. Uh, he will. He is a top five pick, in my opinion. Uh, I could definitely see a team like... Um, Oh, who am I thinking could trade up? The Titans could trade up. Uh, the Raiders. Make a move. The Raiders could trade up and make a move to get into the um, top of the draft to get a, a talent like that. If he falls to eight, you know, the Falcons may yeah. make a move. Yeah. I don't know. They like C.J. Stroud. I've seen that as well. They've been doing their due diligence. That, that is the also. rumor that like of all the quarterbacks, if they had 1-1, right. they would be they taking like C.J. Stroud, Stroud as well. Obviously, the Falcons have made it clear that Desmond Ritter is their starter as of right now. Um, but you never know how things might shake up in the draft. If C.J. Stroud falls low enough to where they want to make that move up, they might do it. You never know. Um, I think the Falcons need to focus on defense. I think they've done very well in their defensive signings. They just released Casey Hayward today. That um, that came out about uh, 20, 
thirty minutes ago. Yeah, that's so upsetting. I like. I understand why because he's a thirty-three-year-old. Right, he's, he's older for sure, but and he, it saves five million a, off the cap. He's a fellow graduate of Perry High School, and I just <laughs> I'm upset. That oh, he's a not person. a Falcon. Oh, no. It's very yeah, personal. Yeah, yeah. It's very personal. I can respect it, and I I definitely thought Casey Hayward is going to be the second, the, the number two corner, um, maybe behind. Um, uh, Jeff Okuda, it, it was really hit or miss about how they're going to be the two or three uh, in the corners, obviously behind AJ Terrell, who's the top corner on the team. But they let him go. He saved five million off the cap space, and that's totally fine. It's I think they're going to go uh, corner as well. Get Christian Gonzalez. You know, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, that's just that's how I see things kind of playing out. That will do it for hour number one of this edition of Sports Call. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back in hour number two, probably more basketball, more NFL. We'll probably look at the upcoming NBA. college football season. NBA, we can talk a little bit about. That's going to do it for us here in hour number one. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with hour number two. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Hey, Brayden. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back into Sports Call. Brant Daughtry, Cam Berry, and Andrew Martin coming to you live from Glenn Smith Chevrolet Buick GMC out here in Opelika. Again, we are out here uh, promoting the Caring for Dadeville Fund put on by the East Alabama Community Foundation, or Community Foundation of East Alabama. Pardon me. I'll do the read again. Community Foundation of East Alabama is announcing a relief fund dedicated to supporting the families and community of the Dadeville, or, excuse me, community of Dadeville that have been affected by the tragic shooting that occurred on the evening of April 15th. The Caring for Dadeville Fund will be used to directly provide resources to these organizations that are supporting and addressing the needs of affected families and the community at large. 
100% of these funds, minus the credit card fees, will be distributed as grants to these organizations and partners. The United Way at Lake Martin will assist in distributing these funds. We must all come together to support those on the ground tirelessly addressing the needs of the community and the families affected by this tragic loss of life. Through this fundraiser, we can all send love and compassion to the people and town of Dadeville. Please, to donate, visit caringfordadeville.org. You can visit that website. You can come by and see us here at Glenn Smith Chevrolet. Uh, we've got a QR code on our table that you can scan. You can visit caringfordadeville.org. We have people on site taking cash donations uh, if that's the way you want to do it. But a uh, big thanks to Glenn Smith Chevrolet uh, for putting this on. Uh, Jerry Potter, the representative here, who's been helping us out uh, as far as that goes. And, and, and guys, just a, a big deal to get out here and be able to promote a, a cause like this one. Yeah, really glad to be out here at uh, Glenn Smith Chevrolet, um, really supporting Daveville. Daveville Strong is really the uh, the uh, mantra that everybody yeah, is using. Kind of the me, rally cry right to, now. To show support for, for that tragic, tragic shooting that happened um, out there in Daveville at the at the birthday party. Um, glad to just be able to do our part, like I, um, like I said earlier, and, and really just help out as best as we can and, and bring some awareness and some support. Absolutely. We've got members of the Dadeville community uh, out here as well. We saw during the Steve phone call, we wanted to talk about this and just weren't able to uh, <laughs> until recently. There's a capuchin monkey out here. Like a, a sm- like I think the guy said he was nine months old and his wife brought it around. It's and it's wearing a little man. dress. Yeah, it's out there. So if you want to see a, capu- a nine-month-old capuchin man- monkey wearing a dress, uh, come by and please donate. And uh, also, uh, we're having... A lot of entertainment. It's not just us out here. There are uh, other radio stations out here. I think Kicker. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, I see their van out front. They're also up here. So there are other sports talk shows in the area doing on-site things. Um, we've got a grill going. You've got burgers and hot dogs. And if you can uh, and you're able to and you want to donate and you just want to come by and say hi, be it to uh, to us or to the uh, members of the Dadeville community that are in attendance here today or just want to grab a burger, uh, please come by and, and support this oh-so-important cause uh, that we're here promoting right now. In a couple of minutes, we may, we're, we're, we're working on it, we may have some representatives uh, from the Community Foundation of East Alabama uh, to come by and promote this as well. Still not 100% sure on that, but we're going, we, we are efforting that, uh, and, and we'll let you know. Uh, if that is able to happen. Guys, uh, getting back to the sports things uh, that we talk about most of the time on this show, um, the NBA playoffs are happening right now. They are. I have watched maybe three quarters in total. Boo. Because, I just, like I said, I don't watch the NBA. I watch the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are not particularly in a good spot right now. <laughs> with that, Cam, I'm going to give you the floor. Give your thoughts. We'll start with the Hawks and Celtics uh, since that's our team. Uh, and and go and from there. Tonight. They yeah. do play tonight. They play um, Game 3 in Atlanta. Yes, Game 3 in Atlanta going on tonight. Um, the Hawks are facing off the Celtics. It will be an interesting game, to say the least. Um, I was very... Uh, I was not happy that the Hawks ended up drawing the Boston Celtics. I was talking to Ryan about this on the show on Wednesday. Um, I thought that was going to be the worst possible matchup that the Hawks could have gotten, and it has rang true um, for two games, and uh, I think this could end up either being a sweep or um, a gentleman's sweep, which means it's, it will go to five games and end in 4-1 in Boston. Um, and, you know, the Hawks have an opportunity to, to defend their home court here, though. They they can come and bring some energy in, into game three. I think the fan base um, will 
show out and do as best as they can to support the Hawks. Um, and, you know, there's always been that issue in Atlanta, especially in recent years, where these other teams, fans will buy out the tickets in State Farm Arena and it'll sound like a, a home game for the other team instead of for the home game for the Hawks. So um, Hawks fans really just need to really come out and, and show their support as best as possible, especially in a playoff environment. But they do show up in the playoffs. So I, I will say that much. The playoffs... Um, I've, I've been to a couple of playoff Hawks games in recent years, and, and they have been uh, pretty loud and supportive. So we need that again in State Farm Arena. It's just going to be a tough matchup. Got to be able to stop uh, Jason Tatum or or one of Jason Tatum or uh, Jalen Brown, one of the JBs, um, or one of the Jays, excuse me. Um, and, and really, you know, got to stop one of them and shut one of them down and, and you'll really have a chance. Um, or at least cut off the the, the role players, uh, Derek White, Marcus Smart, the, those type of guys. You got to uh, not allow them to really get out on you and, and uh, make your life difficult, especially shooting from threes. And that's something that Boston has really capitalized on uh, for the most part in this series is they've just been shooting the lights out from three. Uh, so that's something that the, the Hawks are really going to have to work on and limit, especially point of attack defense um, and, and really limiting and, and fighting over those screens. So, uh, it, it, like I said, it's a tough matchup. You, you're, you're back at home, though, if you're the Hawks, and, and an opportunity to at least defend home court for these two games. If you can get two back, then, you know, you really got something. Uh, but I, I personally, um, just seeing how the Hawks are constructed, the, the Celtics are just a much better constructed team overall from top to bottom. Um, and they, they, um, I like I said, I, I see this ending in five. So, do you think the well? Okay, I'll say this first. Uh, I'll give an opinion, and then I'll ask you a question. All right. I feel like the the Hawks and Atlanta sports in general. If you're a good team, fans show up in droves. It's one of the yeah. better environments in sports. If your team is bad, as the Falcons have been the past couple of years, as the Hawks have been for a, a lot of their history, right. And, and how the Braves kind of never are, <laughs> the the fan base is pretty lethargic. It, it doesn't really show up that much. If the, if the team is not good, you're not going to get that kind of support. Yeah, so, so the teams have a lot of pride. Uh, you know, for the fans do have a lot of pride, and they won't support a team that's just not good. The Braves, you know, have had their ups and downs. Obviously, in the 90s, they were pretty good. Um, early 2000s, they were obviously in a pretty bad lull. As of recent, they've, they've really come along with this young core that they've built um, and, and really put together and have, have paid to stick together for a really long time. Obviously, losing Freddie and losing Dansby, those type of pieces, veteran pieces, sucks. But they do have the young pieces and, and the guys, Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna Jr., Michael Harris, um, those those guys that can, they can really build around. They traded for Matt Olsen. Uh, now in his second season with the team, so it, it's a lot that uh, you can really look into. And the team and and the Braves are getting tons of support. They built yeah. Truist Park, yes. um, and it, it looks really good. And the battery's awesome. Everything about that is is a completely amazing environment. The Braves will have support for a very very long time, I think. With the Hawks, um, you know they've been up and down. Phillips Arena was really fun in in when I was younger. Um, it, it technically is the same arena, but but um, they renamed it State Farm Arena. But Phillips Arena, the highlight factory when you had Josh Smith and 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 um, Josh Childress and and Joe Johnson and Al Horford when he was younger and those guys like that team was still really really fun to watch. They they did go that team did end up reaching their ceiling um, with Jeff Teague and those other guys and they had a lot of support um, and and that that arena 
was definitely jumping um, and in those years. And Kyle Korver was still playing for the Hawks as well, um, and Tari and Prince and all those guys. And even though they aren't a part of the team anymore, uh, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, did end up getting swept, but that was the best team that the Hawks have ever put together that 60 and 20 uh, 60 and 22 year um, and then that was really really a fun fun year uh, obviously you know LeBron and the, and the Cavaliers did end up winning the championship coming back 3-1 it just seemed like it was destiny it is what it is um, the Hawks probably never stood much of a chance but that's fine um, but you know fans did support them as well now you move on to the Falcons that's an interesting ta- that's interesting because you know, the Georgia Dome, my dad and I grew growing up, we had the Georgia Dome, and we would go to the games uh, every every year, and it was awesome, um, and, and the Georgia Dome was so, the environment was just amazing. Like, I will always say that I miss the Georgia Dome, because that environment was unmatched. Like, compared to how um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is now, it, it doesn't even compare. You know, and it seems... You know, the team is having problems really filling out the arena. I don't think I've ever seen. I've been to two games, three games in, in State Farm. Three games. Not State Farm. Three games in, um, in, in Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes Benz. Yeah, mm-hmm. three games in Mercedes-Benz for the Falcons. And, you know, they are struggling to really fill out those seats. And, and it seems like other teams kind of will just buy tickets at will. Like, you know, I went to a game with the Bears this past season, and that's probably not the best fan base to pick because Bears fans are literally everywhere. Um, but uh, they came and they showed out, and you know they kind of took over Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And you don't want that when you're when you're the home team and if you're the Falcons. But I think this year this team is going to garner a lot of support. A lot of people wanted them to trade for Lamar Jackson, and it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Uh, they're riding with Desmond Ritter as the starter, but they signed a lot of defensive pieces. They have the eighth overall pick in the draft. They have some some real potential um, in in bringing in uh, some some fans and some fan support. So I think this will be a year where you see Mercedes Benz Stadium really kind of grow in fan support as well. And I mean, you have Atlanta United also. Atlanta United's games sell out every time. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. So they, you're right, Brand. And when it comes to the fans, they will support um, teams that they you know that are good teams that that. Um, you know, kind of cater to them a little bit more. Uh, I, 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 I do hope the Falcons games kind of become more sold out because, like I said, man, dude, that Georgia Dome, I, I mean, when the team was good and I was there, I was there um, when the Falcons went on their run in 2012 and made it to the um, – the, uh, NFC com- championship yeah, the, the NFC championship. I was there, and I, you know, even though we blew a lead, and and it was Colin Kaepernick and all that stuff, it was still really awesome to be there. I was there for the game before in the semis when um, we hit a field goal to beat uh, the Seahawks, and I remember that. That was, I mean, just Matt the, Bryant. Yes, Matt Bryant. That man will forever have my heart. <laughs> um, and so, so I and that and that Georgia Dome was packed out, dude. Man, like I mean, just full to the brim, and it was loud as could. Be yeah, uh, I, it, dude. I, I tell you it's what, it's not the same. It's fun. Not the fun same. story, actually. As we're about to go to break here in just a second, I was actually at the uh, the very last game in the Georgia Dome, oh. regular uh, regular season I'm game you, uh, when they beat the New Orleans Saints. Oh, that was that was a lot a of fun. That I, was a lot of fun. I absolutely wish um, I could have been there, bro. Yeah, like, beat beat. Uh, I believe Devontae Freeman had like an eighty-yard touchdown run in like the first surprising. drive of that game. That was a really fun game. A really fun year. All right, we're going to take our next break. 
Uh, we're going to take our next break here on Sports Call. When we come back, I'm going to ask Cam a question that's going to get him on a longer rant than the one he just went on. <laughs> so <laughs> you're listening to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Brant Daughtry, Canberry, Andrew Martin joining you live from Glenn Smith Chevrolet Buick GMC here in Opelika. When we went to break, I promised you a Canberry rant. Cam, I gave you a little preview as we were coming back from break, and you look very excited to do this. Oh, yeah. He said sarcastically. The Atlanta Hawks have, have stated that Trey Young is their franchise player. Yeah. Can the Atlanta Hawks win an NBA Finals championship with Trey Young as their best player? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If they, okay. If that's what, yes, I definitely think that they can do that. I think they can definitely, you know, I think it ha- when it comes to roster decisions, obviously Trey is a smaller guard, so that's something that you have to consider. Uh, he, he was a little bit better on defense this year. His numbers were a little bit down in terms of efficiency. That's where I think you really need to focus for Trey is getting him a little bit more efficient, um, giving him, you know, trade the trade for DeJounte was good. Um, giving him somebody that that can give him the opportunity a, bi- a bigger to guard ball, next to him, a bigger yeah. guard next to him that can really play defense, uh, and that's that's kind of helped our Auburn, like uh, not Auburn, Atlanta's <laughs> perimeter defense. We'll get we'll get to Auburn here in a little bit. But, Atlanta's uh, perimeter defense is not great, um, and it, it's not good even to to really be a hundred percent honest. Um, but you can build around Trey definitely, and I think that Quinn Snyder is going to uh, a full off season with with Quinn Snyder um, in his offense. I think Quinn's going to make some more different roster moves. Honestly, I could definitely see guys like DeAndre Hunter and John Collins getting traded um, and and kind of moving some pieces around and, and changing some things up. Uh, I could also see Clint Capella going. So three out of the starting five could look completely different next year. Uh, that would not surprise me at all. I could definitely see I see a bigger role with Jalen Johnson coming. A.J. Griffin is a pure shooter. He's a big guy at 6'6", will definitely be able to contribute, uh, and he plays really good defense, um, And as well as Sadiq Bey. And, and I don't know about Bogdan Bogdanovich, but because we did re-sign him to a, an extension, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Sadiq Bey, another really big guy, great shooter. Um, it, you got to surround Trey with a little bit more physicality, I think, especially on the defensive side, um, because he's going to get pushed around a little bit. But if you have somebody on the back end that can definitely help him out, then you'll be totally fine. And then when it comes to offense, you, they got to be able to be allowed, like I said, physicality to be able to take those hits. You know, I I love John Collins. Uh, I love DeAndre Hunter. I feel like sometimes they're a little bit scared to take that contact to really go in and be physical. Clint is really not. Onyeka, definitely not. Uh, That's why he's in foul trouble all the time. He doesn't care about being physical, and I like that about Onyeka. I love that about Onyeka. It really gives him the opportunity to, um, I think he'll end up earning the starting job. That's why I think Clint is going to end up being traded. Or I could definitely see them switching roles, just Okungwu being the starter and letting Clint be the backup center so that you can have that really um, that rebounding because Clint's rebounding is truly unmatched. He had a 4.21 rebound game against the Heat. I remember I, I, I remember watching that. It was the, that was the play-in game, right? right? The, where the he, play-in he just, game, yes. He ate, he ate. Uh, yeah, the I mean, boards. You can't – stuff like that you can't teach, and, and he's huge. 
and it definitely will help a lot to have him out there at 6'10", but, um, you know, he just he misses the bunnies. He misses the easy shots, yeah. the putbacks, all that stuff. And you need the point. And at the end of the day, even though you can get the rebounds, you got to be able to put the put the put the ball in the bucket. And sometimes he struggles with that. And without you know, without when he when he gets set up, that's fine. But he can't necessarily do a little post move sometimes and make his own shot. And like I said, he misses the easy ones. And Yeka does not do that. He he makes the easy ones. He makes his free throws. Um, you know, he's not, and obviously he's not a great free throw shooter, but he's a solid free throw shooter, and that's really all I can ask for from my center. Um, and with that, you know, uh, I think you can definitely build a, a championship roster to answer your question, yes, around Trey Young. I think it's a matter of the pieces. I think they have the right head coach now. Um, you know how I felt about, about Nate McMillan, especially coming towards the end of last season. Right. Uh, coming into the season, I was very weary about how he was going to be a coach and, and how that was going to play out. I I feel like we should have just went ahead and moved on from him in the offseason. That's fine. They wanted to wait, see how things played out. Didn't work well, but we were able to jump on Quinn Snyder and give him that opportunity, especially now. I'm really glad that the Hawks did that and let him get in there early because now <clears throat> all these coaching, uh, you know, some of these head coaching uh, opportunities are about to become open. Uh, the, the, the Raptors just fired Nick Nurse this morning. Yep, I remember um, that. And then uh, the Rockets let go of their head coach. That's another opportunity. Uh, so there's going to be plenty of different uh, coaching jobs that are going to be open, and so I'm glad that the Hawks went ahead and got Quinn Snyder, got him in here, let him evaluate the roster. I think they're giving him some personnel decisions to make as well, uh, giving him that freedom and and letting him really build a roster that he's going to be able to put around Trey that's really going to help the team um, and build a championship-worthy roster. That's really, I think I think it's highly possible. Didn't the Raptors fire their coach a couple of years ago after yeah, he, won, he won Coach of the Year yeah, and they Dwayne fired Casey. him the same year? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, and then he, who is now... Um, actually, the Detroit head coach uh, head coaching job is actually open Casey as well. Casey moved to front office. Yeah, he moved he moved to a front office role. Okay. So Detroit also has a head coaching role uh, available as well. So it'll be interesting to see um, you know how this shakes out for the Hawks as well. Uh, you want to give you know Quinn his best roster possible. Also, you're not sure or uh, not roster. Give him uh, his best coaching staff. Let him get his guys in here because he's still working. Off Nate McMillan's coaching staff. Yeah. Every other, every guy that's in there, all Quinn did was just walk in by himself. He didn't put in any of any of the other guys. The only the only assistant that I really want uh, the Hawks to hold on to is Joe Prunty, uh, who was the um, he he was the interim head coach for the for, for like a week while they were um, working on things with Snyder for the Hawks. And he was just he just seemed like a really players coach. The players seemed to really like him. Uh, he really seemed like somebody that everybody got along with, and he really understood the X's and O's. And the Hawks were successful when he was head coaching like he was he they went back to their bread and butter went went to the pick and roll and it was just I mean it was beautiful to see how how everything went back to how um, the Hawks used to run things especially when they were doing on their 2021 Eastern Conference Finals run all they did was run pick and roll pick and roll pick and pop with the flare screen on the outside um, to the corner and it worked like like a charm nobody could stop it it made trey looked amazing so i think the hawks just kind of need to get back to stuff like that um and and really will they'll be a successful franchise hopefully i want a hawks championship second most to a falcons championship i really <laughs> really know really want a falcons championship but a hawks championship i could definitely be happy with so yeah Yep. We are going to head back now to the Auburn Bank phone line, and Keith from Auburn has called in. Keith, how are you today, sir? 
Maybe. Maybe we have Keith. We lost Keith. We don't have Keith. All right, we're going to hang that up. Keith, Maybe if you can. Maybe come back. Keith, yeah. come back. Keith, come back if you can. <laughs> Call back if you want. Uh, but for now, instead of that, we're going to go to our second break of the hour. Uh, when we come back, we'll probably talk a little more NFL draft stuff. We only talked Love about it. a couple of players. Uh, so for now, we're going to com- go to commercial, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back. Sports Call here at Glensmith Chevrolet Buick GMC in Opelika. Again, we are out here promoting the uh, Caring for Dadeville Fund put on by the Community Foundation of East Alabama. We have representatives here from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. today only. This is going to be your only opportunity to come out and be a part of this fundraiser. Um, you, if, if you can't come out here, you can't make it, that's perfectly fine. You can go to caringfordadeville.org and donate there. Um, Cam, you and I are both Falcons fans. We are. And with the NFL draft coming up soon, I'm going to hijack the show, and we're going to talk about what we want the Falcons to do at eight. <laughs> that's yes. gonna, that's going to be uh, the next 15 minutes or so. Let's I have seen. We talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show. What are, What are your thoughts? I'll, I'll let you take the take the reins on this to open it. What are your thoughts on the rumors of the Falcons drafting Bijan Robinson? <laughs> okay. So I was really, really off of this. Like, I was really anti-draft Bijan Robinson at the beginning of all of these rumors. I'm now closer to I could accept drafting Bijan Robinson because <laughs> it's so the, weird. I'm in, dude, the, I'm in the same camp. He, I was I, I was vehemently against it, and now I still don't want it to happen. I, but right. I would I, I understand I, why. I would totally understand why this this dude Bijan has the opportunity to be a Christian McCaffrey esque a Alvin Kamara-esque player. He can line up anywhere on the field um, and he can really he has amazing balance. The dude can just tote the rock better than I mean everybody in college football, right? He was he was yeah. the best he's, running back. He's by far the best running back available. Right. And so he it's very clear exactly that he is RB1. I I've seen also, I have actually seen where he is RB2 with Jameer Gibbs. I don't really buy that, but no. Gib- um, Gibbs is Gibbs very, is very very good. Can a really good running back. Be the same way, built the exact same way. I think I think that Jameer Gibbs is like is like Alvin Kamara like 2.0, like 100%. Like, look, is the exact same build. He's bigger than Kamara, runs isn't the, he? Runs the exact same style. I think he is a little bit bigger than Kamara. Um, I feel like I, I, I put him as like more of a power more. back, even though he is a, a, as good a receiver he, as Kamara. Yeah, he, he can really catch that ball for sure. Um, and with Bijan, um, I, 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 I think, you know, the Falcons could do it at 8. It's just the whole running backs thing. You know, the value of a running back has really, really dropped off severely in the last – decade or so i'd say i i would really particularly put it in the past five years definitely um where the value of a running back you just don't want to take them as high anymore a lot of teams are really not looking at a running back to take in the first round i mean just an example the falcons drafted tyler algier just last year and he was a thousand yard rusher and didn't even yeah. play the full amount of games he was a seventh rounder he, i mean that's what yeah, you spent on exactly it. so so with that you can find the value in a running back in in different positions that being said Bijan is generational. I I can't really argue with that. The dude is completely different. Um, and uh, the Falcons taking him, you know, in in the eighth, 
or with the eighth pick um, would be interesting. I don't know if the value is exactly worth it, especially if you wanted to draft a corner like Christian Gonzalez instead, or an edge like Tyree Wilson or or, um, or Miles Murphy in that position instead. Um, but it's it's it'll be interesting to see where they decide to go. Um, I don't think running back is one of their needs, um, obviously because they have Tyler Algier already, and then um, I think they have another running back that they recently signed. It's it's really it, it's I've lost who who he is, but um, they they have plenty of guys in the back, so it wouldn't surprise me if they pass. But the Falcons like to go best player available. Um, that has yeah. always uh, been Terry Fontenot's biggest thing: is best player available. If you think that if they think on their board that that is the best player available, then they'll take Bijan eighth overall. That offense will be humming because already he's a run. You know, Arthur Smith runs a run-heavy offense. We know that, um, and had one of the best run offenses in the league. So that's not at all surprising that they would take a running back at that point. Uh, use use Bijan as more of a pass catching and really like a three-down back or a two-down back, and then in short yardage situations, use Tyler Algier because that dude's a bowling ball, and uh, really just let him kind of work in that short yardage situation, goal line situation, things like that, um, and really have Bijan be the main toter of the rock. So I'm I'm not 100% against it. I can definitely see the, the allure and the interest in why uh, the Falcons could definitely make that move. Um, I personally, like I said, I want the Falcons to go more defense. I think like a, uh, like a Christian Gonzalez, like a Tyree Wilson, like a Miles Murphy on the edge because the Falcons had the worst uh, pass rush in the league for – uh, the last two years, it's like record-setting bad. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's yeah. something that is very much needed. Um, but but here's signings, here's something that's interesting. You signed Calais Campbell. Right, signs Calais Campbell and to one play of the, edge. Yeah. What, that's what that's what got my attention is even though he is like 35, right? You're moving Calais Campbell out back to the edge again, and I'm wondering what is the plan for him because he can't play. Over half the snap, or seventy no. percent of the snaps at this but, point in his career. So, are you going to use him as a third down specialist? What? What? I wonder what the plan is for Calais Campbell because I love the right. signing, right? Um, and I still think you draft an edge in this draft um, and, and have him kind of learn under Campbell because who, who better to learn under than the alien himself? Right. right. But, <laughs> Last year, Calais Campbell would have been our best pass rusher. Yeah, right. yeah, by a lot, <laughs> by, by a lot. lot, by a lot. Which exactly. begs the Which, question: Why is Lorenzo Carter a Falcon again? So I, I I like Lorenzo Carter as a solid depth piece. I mean, if you're not using him in the, as an every down back, even though he only had four sacks, that's fine. I like the talent that he brings. I don't hate bringing him back. We didn't bring him back on a lot of money. I'm not I'm not too upset about that signing. You need depth anyway, right? And we still have the guys from last year, Arnold Ebikite uh, and uh, D'Angelo uh, Malone as well, who are guys that I expect to take a step uh, this, this year also because of the simple fact that last year the Falcons had such a bad pass rush that you know those guys weren't really able to get free. Ebikite did lead the league, or not lead the league, but led rookies um, amongst pressures and things like that. He was he was up there with the pressures. So um, things like that uh, will play a part. I think he'll start to get home more, especially having the interior guys that we, uh, the Falcons, have signed in the offseason. Onyemata, Calais Campbell, who really can jump in and outside, but he'll probably... I love the Onyemata sighting. Onyemata I love the Onyemata sighting. Caden Ellis as well, who who really can get back to the quarter. Love that one back. less, but it's, it's um, less I dislike it and more i'm just kind of oh, all right we'll see how that he'll, goes he'll be interesting i think he's really an up-and-comer he'll be solid um and uh different and, and just bringing help and then you still have grady jared as well on your line so mm-hmm. that, i mean 
that's really you've completely revamped your entire D-line almost with these signings uh, if you're the Falcons and, and overall revamped your entire defense um, have made signings at all three levels uh, of the field and will will really be able to hopefully have a def- uh, defense that can really impact games. That's yeah, going to be I, the key. I think this is going to be the first respectable Falcons defense oh, man. in since, six or seven oh, years. Man, it's, it's been, been a, a long, long time. time. It's been a long time. Since, and, since, I mean, and, and I don't just mean pass rush. And, I mean... Overall, the right. entire defense yes. has been bad. Yes, the, the pass rush has been historically bad by NFL standards. But in terms of corners, but yeah, 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 the, the, the entire defense. AJ. Yeah, if, like last year, it felt like it was Grady Jarrett and AJ Terrell out there by oh themselves gosh, most of the time. Almost, man. Uh, and and the fact that you know the Je- I love the Jesse Bates signing. Right, um, Jesse Bates. That's obviously the biggest splash. He's the best. He's the best safety um, in the market uh, that was available. Um, a really good ball hawk, great, able to see the entirety of the field, has great range, can move sideline to sideline very smoothly. And then you pair him up with Richie Grant um, as the strong safety, and I think that's going to make everything. I mean, I think that's going to open up Richie Grant's game tremendously. Um, and then trading for Jeff Okuda, a guy who needs a fresh start, um, who was a number three overall pick, has plenty of talent, suffered some injuries. If you get him as your number two corner, who was a guy that was expected to be a lockdown number one corner, I, I just, this Falcons defense has me more excited than I've ever been in such a long time. And I, obviously this game focuses a lot, it focuses a lot on offense, um, and it's really been geared towards more offense, but seeing a defense that's as good um, and really just kind of trying to come up like the Falcons have done. I think Terry Fontenot's done an amazing job, and it really came down to just having money, right? I mean, having yeah, cap amen. space. I mean, the Falcons amen. You're, you're out from under the contracts right. of Julio Jones and, and Matt Ryan. You're and, free. Right? Yeah, and so you're able to actually build a, a solid roster. Having over $65 million in cap space, it really, really helps you a lot. And, and you know, I watched a video on Twitter just referring to the Falcons, and, or that was the um, – the Falcons put out and they were saying, you know, we finally have some cap space. You know, they had to manage the situation that Thomas Dimitrov left behind and really had to kind of work their way out from underneath that. And now that the Falcons have the money, they've made the signings, they've made the correct moves, they've been smart with their money. I truly do think that Terry Fontenot and, and Arthur Smith are building really something together. This will be a big year. This is definitely a big year for um, for Arthur Smith, more than I would say for Terry Fontenot, because I think he's really put the right pieces. It's really now up to Arthur Smith to really be able to execute. They're trusting Desmond Ritter at the quarterback position. It's really the team around them. If they can be successful, this this Falcons team has an opportunity to win the division. Absolutely. Um, this is an NFC South that is extremely wide open, um, and there will be plenty of opportunity to take it. The Panthers, obviously, they have a t- very, very talented defense, um, and they have some offensive pieces. They obviously are probably going to draft a quarterback, so you're going to have to be facing either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, probably Bryce Young every year, uh, twice a year, and, and that's going to be annoying because he is a very good quarterback. <laughs> but um, if you have a defense that is as disciplined and as smart as the uh, the as smart as I think they're going to be, then that shouldn't be too much of a worry, and it'll be exciting. Um, I'm very, very amped up for this season. I plan on going to at least two games. Like I gotta <laughs> go to at least two games. I'm I'm so excited, and hopefully, like we talked about in the last segment, the fan base is excited, and, and it gets some some real fan support out to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium to really support this team. I know you know it can be frustrating, and some of the people don't really support how how the the dome went down and how the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is built and seat licenses and all that stuff because tickets are pretty expensive even for the team that's not good uh, the tickets can be pretty expensive which can be frustrating I totally empathize with that um, but 
hopefully they found a way to be out there and support the team. Um, and if, with a, the eighth overall pick, it's so up in the air. I mean, they could literally go like seven different players, and I'd be like, all right, I'm cool with it. I uh, we we started this segment. I wanted it to turn into NFL draft talk. It turned into Falcons talk, which is yeah. fine by us. I, I don't know if the, <laughs> the listening audience truly appreciates it, but uh, we 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 uh, wanted to eventually end up talking about the Falcons' second round pick. There's a there's a certain edge player <laughs> that you and I both are really right. high on. Oh, yeah. I, I think can have a very good NFL career. Uh, that the Falcons have have a position of need. And we can tie this back into Auburn football, so I'm going to force this transition. Do it, Auburn. Uh, you and I both want Auburn to take, or excuse me, want Atlanta to take Derek Hall with their second round pick. I believe that's pick number 43 or 44. It's somewhere in the low to mid 40s. Yeah, it's pick 44. 44. 44. Thank you, Andrew. Um, I, I uh, we've got six minutes left here in this hour, so we'll we'll do this quickly. The Falcons need an edge, right? Because Calais Campbell's not going to be here very long. No. So you draft an edge in the second round, a guy with maybe low upside in Derek Hall, but a guy who projects as a solid starter in the NFL, if not a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer. (laughs) Um, I I think there's one Hall of Fame edge rusher in this draft. I I think the rest of the guys are pretty solid. Right. Uh, I think Will Anderson, I think his limit is the moon. Um, But I I don't think any other edge rusher kind of projects that way. But with a guy like Derek Hall... um, not as big as Campbell because nobody is as big as Calais Campbell. Yeah, what what are he's like six eight three thirty and yeah, Calais Campbell's huge two percent body fat something ridiculous like that. It's why it's why he's been able to play in the NFL for so long. He's gigantic. But get get Derek Hall in here. I'm saying this is both an Auburn fan and a Falcons fan. This is kind of my dream scenario. Derek Hall gets drafted, comes in, learns for a year, kind of rotates with Calais Campbell, and then kind of takes over as Atlanta's edge rusher. You have a respectable pass rush again. You've got a halfway decent defense overall. And that's why I think this year is so big. I don't know if it's Arthur Smith's prover year, right? I think Arthur Smith is a good head coach, and he's done enough to say, hey, hey, he's good. I think this year is much more important for Desmond Ritter than it is anybody else on the coaching staff. This is his year to say, hey, you've got a really good offense around you. I think your receiving core is a little meh. But that's the only problem. Your offensive line is really good, if you can, especially if you can get that left guard spot figured out. Right. You're going to have at least one really good running back. You've got some really talented receivers in sure. Drake London and Kyle Pitts. It's just kind of everybody after that is kind of mid-level as a receiver. I like the Mac Holland signing. That's a good signing. And then signing. I like it. I don't love it, but it's it, it fills a need. It he's fills a, big, a need. Oh, he's a big dude. Like, yeah, the, the Falcons' receiving core has turned into a basketball and, and, team. And Scotty Miller um, is, is a solid signing as well. Scotty Miller's still, interesting to me because he's a small slot guy, right. and Arthur Smith has never used that in his no. career. And I he's, still, he's never used a small slot receiver. I still expect the Falcons to draft a receiver at some point in this draft. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of depth at the wide receiver position in this draft as well. Um, Josh Downs from North Carolina is an example, somebody who could re- uh, the Falcons could definitely get. Uh, Zay Flowers was a sleeper at the beginning when it, when this whole draft process started, and now he's become probably the top wide receiver in the draft uh, that a lot of people are talking about because he's so skilled. Um, you know, I don't think Quentin Johnson really fits what the Falcons have going. Um, Jordan Addison, uh, I think he's going to be 
gone by that time. The, yeah. You know, I, I don't think the Falcons really take a, a wide receiver until probably the third round, honestly. Um, but again, there's so much depth at that position. I mean, I, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, like there. I mean, and I don't think he's going to be there either. But I mean, there's so much talent at the receiver position, and it's so deep. I mean, even just to throw out an example, Keishon Boutte, um, or Keishon Booty, excuse me, uh, from LSU is somebody who is, I mean, really good. And, you know, <laughs> the dude, the dude was, for, is, you know, not even projected to be a, a crazy high draft pick. So that's somebody he's, who's... He's a guy, and uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and just focus on him, because now I want to talk about Keishon Booty. Actually, before we do that real quick, it's like some, like, like just interest camps, like looking at uh, the latest mock draft from CBS, that was like posted a few hours ago from today. They actually do have the Falcons taking a wide receiver in the second round wide with the 44th pick. Yeah. And saying they're projecting Jordan Addison in, in oh, the second okay. round. Oh, my goodness. Look, if, if you Falcons pick up Jordan Addison, Jordan it's, Addison, I'm crying. Yeah, That's it's, a Bolitnikoff winner right there. Yeah, that, that is absolutely is the uh, – that, that is by far the – if he's available at 44, I'll be shocked. Yeah, but I will I'll be happy be if the Falcons can take him. But uh, it, it, once you get past the first 10 – I feel like in every NFL draft, it's kind of just a hodgepodge of guys who are really good and yeah. kind of what do you need. Um, Last year, I watched every single round and pick of the NFL draft. I've, I did it once, and I found myself being really bored by the end of the second. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, I, it's it's an interesting process, to say the least. And the Falcons um, have plenty of moves that they could they could make. And, yeah. and, and They could very easily trade this, back, I think. And they could trade back out of that eighth pick if they don't see anybody they absolutely love. It'll be uh, an exciting process. I can't wait for the draft to get going, honestly, man. I just, I'm ready for it. That will do it for hour number two of today's sports call. Again, we are live from Glen Smith Chevrolet Buick GMC here in Opelika, promoting the Caring for Dateville Fund being put on by the Community Foundation of East Alabama. We are going to take about a 10-minute break here. When we come back, we'll have hour number three. We'll talk a little Auburn football. The ESPN FBI rankings came out today, so we're going to take the conversation to that when we come back. You are listening to Sports Call here on uh, the Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call set to get underway. Brant Daughtry and Cam Barry coming to you live. Andrew Martin, our intern, also here uh, for this show. We're coming to you live from uh, Glen Smith Chevrolet Buick GMC in Opelika uh, here promoting this event, uh, the Caring for Dadeville Fund, uh, put on by the Community Foundation of East Alabama. And now we are absolutely honored to be joined by the president of the Community Foundation of East Alabama, Miss Katie Whittlesley. Uh, thank, Whittlesey, excuse me. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, honestly, thank you for this event that you, you've uh, helped organize here and, and everything you're doing for the community right now. All the accolades go to Glenn Smith at this point. I know that he does not want any accolades, <laughs> but I would be um, a fool to not recognize what they have done. I mean, they really have put this on and ensuring that Dadeville 
matters and that Dadeville stays strong and that they want to know that they have their backs. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you were telling us uh, earlier, you threw this together starting last Sunday is when is when you kind of came here and, and approached with this idea? So, you know, I woke up on Sunday morning and heard the news in Dadeville of the tragic shooting like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And um, I was holding my three-week-old Annie and thought, I am so fortunate to be able to hold this little girl in my arms right now. And there are four moms that are not able to hold their children. And it just really hit me. And so I, as the president of the Community Foundation, felt like, you know, our territory is Tallapoosa County. It's important that we step up. And so immediately, you know, got online and started the Caring for Dadeville Fund, reached out to our board, and the response was tremendous that, yes, we must do something for Dadeville. And so we jumped in early and started caringfordateville.org. And our goal was to raise funds in order to provide healing um, and do what is needed in that community in order for them to move forward. And so worked, reached out directly to the superintendent and to the mayor and um, just let them know, you, we have your back. We're here for you. And so as we have gone throughout this week, we have been so appreciative of the radio stations, of everyone that has come together, the donors, the donations that have come in from all over the nation, and really locally, though, and just people saying, hey, I'm from Opelika, but I know Dadeville, or the high school that has, you know, I'm Weaver High School. I'll give them a shout-out. They said, we want to do a ben- benefit concert in order to ensure that Dadeville feels supported. And so that's what we're here for, is just to make sure that Dadeville um, gets what they need in order to just alleviate some of the financial burden. Absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit about the Community Foundation of East Alabama. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been the president of the organization? And, and what are some other things that you've done for, for this community in, in times of need? Absolutely. So I'm actually newer to the area. My husband and I moved here. He's a longtime Opelika resident, so I call myself awesome. an import. Um, <laughs> but it's a great Where place. Where are you from to, originally? Just across the border in Georgia. Okay, so okay. okay. Too, us too. too far. Us too. Uh, but what I'll say is that I took this role with the Community Foundation because it's really incredible what a Community Foundation can do. There are a couple things that need to really happen in a community for them to be strong. And I've heard, one, you need to have a good Chamber of Commerce. Two, you yes. need to have a strong United Way, which we are partnering with for Dadeville Strong. And then the third that you need to have is a strong Community Foundation. because. Community foundations help connect donors with causes that matter. So what we do is accept donations, start family funds, start various funds such as Caring for Dateville. We also are known for our scholarship opportunities. But we ensure that your funds get designated to a 501c3 to then distribute to the churches, the schools, the nonprofits, those that are doing the good work in our community. Because nothing that we do, if you want to make a difference in a community, you give. And if you want to have a good name, if you want to get to know people, guess what? You give. And so we as a community foundation really want to inspire giving in our community. And so that's what we do. Uh, and and you mentioned giving. How can people give to to this uh, this project that you're working on now? The best way to give is to go to caringfordateville.org. So you can give online on that website, and that will designate your funds directly to Caring for Dateville. The other way that you can uh, mail in a check, the um, website caringfordateville.org has the mailing address so you're welcome to do that i'm sure glenn smith chevrolet would also if you walked by and handed a check to the community foundation i'm sure that it would get into the right, right. hands um, city hall in dateville is also accepting donations for the caring for dateville fund and so we just encourage you to you know stand up 
we got donations today. We've had donations of ten dollars, twenty five dollars, a thousand dollars. We even had a ten thousand dollar check come mm, awesome. in. Awesome. Uh, pretty incredible what we can do as a community yes. to showcase our support for our neighbors and allow them to really support and love and love one another through this time so you touched on it there a little bit talk a little bit about what what the response has been like since you announced that you were doing this since uh what are what do you know the number do you know <laughs> percentages do you know what the goal is what what are we the goal is we got to get a lot more right. money there in you the go. door. Okay. I'll tell you that I feel like we've raised almost around $30,000. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, it's awesome, but yeah. you know, my goal is a lot more. higher. Yeah. Because I look at these precious girls, the softball team, the Daveville softball team was out here today, and I think we have to stand up for these girls. This is, these are our future. Right. And like the coach said, uh, Mitch Tolbert said, Daveville didn't start the fires. Daveville, this was not they're, they didn't cause this. Someone came in and caused this. Right. And so you remember, these are good girls. These are good kids. And we even had um, a young lady that was directly impacted. And I think she's going to need healing. All of these individuals right. were need healing. Right. And so um, we just thank you as a community for standing up for them. Absolutely. I, I, I just want to say your, your passion for this yeah. comes it's, across. It's awesome to, to your, your caring. You know, it, caring for Dadeville. You know, it really comes across in, in just talking to you. And uh, thank you for, thank you for coming by and and organizing this, getting us out here, coming by to, to say hi, and then yes. uh, to to talk about it on the show today. Um, this means a lot, and I'm sure a lot more to the people that were directly affected by this. Well, I'll tell you that we can all make a difference. I just happened to be the one that sent the email that said, let's do something. Mm. But I think as a community, I would encourage other high schools, reach out to us. We're happy to help you organize a fundraiser. Or other businesses, Glenn Smith just said, you know, they can use our signage. We printed all these signs for Caring for Dadeville. If you want to go host a fundraiser, it's just as easy to jump in and do something and could stop by Glenn Smith and we'll give you the signs. How kind is that? Right. That's uh, awesome. And so as a community, That's the great. more that we can stand up for each other and just really support, um, it's not a one-man job. And it's, it's definitely um, helpful, I think, for everyone to really let them know how strong um, – not only they are, but how strong we can be for them when they need us the most. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Again, please, if you can donate and you can't make it by today, visit caringfordadeville.org. Miss Whittlesey, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. That is uh, Miss Katie Whittlesey, the president of the Community Foundation of East Alabama, being kind, so kind with her time. Um, and we're, we're going to get back to what we normally talk about but again the reason we're out here is for a reason that is so much more important than sports uh, this tragic loss of life in this community that is reeling and and you as a you listener have an opportunity to help if you're listening afterwards on the sports call podcast presented by coca-cola um you have an opportunity to help even though you can't make it to this event live caringfordateville.org Again, please give as much as you can, as little as $1 or as much as $10,000, <laughs> like Miss Whittlesey said. Uh, it's just an incredible, incredible movement that's yes, happening right absolutely. now. Uh, it's, it's a tragedy that caused it, but it's a community that's coming together uh, to help the city of Dadeville. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to sports now, but I, like, like I said, it's just something way more important that we needed to talk about first, and Miss Whittlesey was kind enough to, to volunteer her time. 
uh, here at the start of hour yes. number three. So we've got about 20 minutes left in the show. And what we want to do with that time is we want to give the people what they want. We're going to talk a little bit about Auburn football. We, football. The, uh, mm-hmm. the ESPN FPI released today, uh, Ever- Auburn is projected to go 5-7 and seven based on those metrics. But, but uh, again, all of these are based on percentages. So we're going to go game by game in the 20 minutes in the show that we have left. We're going to give our thoughts on uh, each individual matchup and, and talk about how important it is, uh, whether we agree with the percentages or not. And kind of just give our thoughts on the game. First off, week one, uh, Auburn hosts UMass, the yep. University of Massachusetts. They're given a 97.2% chance to win that game. I, I, I don't think much needs to be said about that. That's a paycheck game. You're paying UMass right. to come down and get beat down pretty good. Yeah, I mean, agreed. You know, <laughs> last year was a bit of a struggle in those games that were supposed to be beat down. Obviously, it's a different, <laughs> yeah. completely different coaching staff, completely different situation. Um, but I, I would agree that Auburn should comfor- comfortably win this game. Um, maybe we just kind of see. I, I mean, I think I don't know if we all can agree that this is the roster, the quarterback that's on the roster, or quarterback is not on the roster yet that will be the starter for this Auburn team. We don't know that yet. Um, obviously, there is some competition still going on and, and there's some names out there in the portal that could end up um, being uh, coming to Auburn as a quarterback so you know you never know how that's going to play out but I still think however that does shake out Auburn will comfortably win, comfortably win that game against UMass at home. Yeah I, I think the and, talent on the roster even though it's not up to SEC level is right. far and above that that UMass will field. Jordan Hare will be rocking. Yeah for sure this is the first I think really important game this is a game that ESPN actually projects Auburn to lose the game at Cal, they give Auburn a 43.7% chance to win. Cal, a program that is kind of reeling right now. They have not had a winning season since 2019, uh, but Auburn has not had a winning season since 2021, or actually 2020. Mm-hmm. So really, I, I mean, two programs that have a lot of history but have not been uh, great recently. Auburn, obviously, a more historical football program than Cal, but neither team really projected to finish towards the top of their conference. I know nothing about Cal. I know <laughs> nothing about that football team. But by virtue of the fact that they host, I, I don't know. This one's tough. I feel like Auburn should win this game by virtue of being just an SEC powerhouse versus a Pac-12 team that's at the bottom of the food chain. However, Cal could say this is an SEC team that is kind of at the bottom of the barrel for the last couple of years. They could very easily be looking at this going, hey, we can use this as a springboard to get back into relevancy, uh, a way that we have seen a couple of teams do with Auburn the past couple of seasons. Yeah, they definitely have a have a chance to probably light some fire under their you know under their butts to to really get up for this game. Um, they had four wins last year. I don't know if they have a new head coach or not. They finished ninth in the Pac-12. It's still Jeff it, Wilcox. It's still Jeff, coach. Okay, it's still Jeff Wilcox. So they finished with four wins. So that's really not very impressive. Had an overtime loss to Colorado. Uh, they did play a close game with UCLA, who was a pretty decent team um, uh, towards the end. But the Pac-12 overall was a relatively weak conference. Um, yes. Yeah. Outside of you know they, they had Oregon, then then they had um, USC. USC. That was the, those were the best two teams in the Pac-12. Um, and UCLA did come along towards the end. I will say that much. Uh, Chip Kelly had kind of got them right as well. Um, so they they. Are in a, already in a not a great conference. Um, I, I do think Auburn has a better chance to win than the FBI th- uh, gives them. Yeah, uh, I think that they will be a better team. I think it does come down to quarterback play as well. I think um, 
you know that's uh, that's going to be a game where quarterback play will come into come into um, you know a thought about about how who's going to be behind and under center who's going to really make those plays and those decisions and make the right reads and things like that so it's definitely going to be something to consider um but i give auburn a better chance so what do you what do you think um andrew uh, i'll just get this quickly i feel like auburn will win like it's close like honestly like this screams this game streams 9 30 espn like just based <laughs> off the teams in general like dark. also like here's something to keep in mind like does the, does the time zone change affect Auburn? I mean, another thing is, like, the last SEC team to go to Cal's Ole Miss 2017, they dropped that game by two points. So, it's like, right. we'll have to find – I do believe Auburn's, like – I believe like the, they're getting a little dissed by the FPI, but I was like, I think they win. Like, I'm still going to think it's a close one because like, I, we have no idea what either of these teams are going to look like. A little more than 15 minutes left. We're going to have to hustle faster okay. through the rest of these we just a little bit. Let but uh, uh, oh, week, Samford, w. Week, week three at Samford, ninety-eight point one percent chance to win. Or week three hosting Samford, excuse me, ninety-eight point one percent chance to win. Similar to UMass, I think Auburn kind of walks away yeah. with this one again in the paycheck game. Yeah, this is where things start to get interesting. I think these next five games will determine Auburn's oh, season. As they always yes. do. Yeah. Uh, so you <laughs> you start this five game stretch with. At Texas A&M, ESPN FBI gives Auburn a 23.5% chance to win. Texas A&M is so weird to me because I have zero faith in their coaching staff, but I'm incredibly jealous of their roster. <laughs> they have such a good a roster right. that Jimbo Fisher has assembled. Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M boosters have assembled. <laughs> but, by God, it was bad last year. It was bad. It was really, really bad. A loss to Auburn. Mm-hmm. In Auburn, and, and yes, that was an Auburn team playing well above what it should have been playing in a but, vacuum. But that also had like the, the renewed Cadillac energy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it, was, it didn't occur in a vacuum, right? That's it happened with... The team was, yeah. was very, It, it was an absolute under, disaster. Underwhelming. And you went and made what I think is... <laughs> just the most insane hire of the offseason and went and got Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator. I am anxious to see the clash of egos between Bob, uh, Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher, two guys that I have absolutely zero faith in as football coaches. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting, um, and and that's going to be a game to definitely watch for. Um, I could I could see Auburn you know, going into College Station and getting a win. Obviously, the FPI does not agree. Only a 23.5% chance to win. But it wouldn't surprise me if you know if Auburn maybe gains a little bit more favor um, if they can win that Cal game and yes. win that Cal game and kind yeah. of dominate the game a little bit more. Then I think going into that Texas uh, and then you know Samford, I think that's automatic zero so, or automatic W. So three games going coming in into College Station three and zero that definitely gives you an opportunity to um, to kind of beat the odds. Yeah, I, I I think a big reason that Auburn beat Texas A&M was because of oh, the yeah. Jordan-Hare Stadium Absolutely. atmosphere. Absolutely. Um, again, all of this can change on a dime if a quarterback gets in here that we all right. have a lot of faith in. Yeah. But we're, we're looking at it as the roster is today. We don't expect the roster to be what it is today come the start of the season. Right. But with, just with what we have, uh, we're, we're using this as a talking point for this final hour. The next game, this is kind of the speed bump in this five-game stretch. You host Georgia. Uh, and ESPN gives you a 9.7% chance to win that game. I think Auburn's two years away at least from competing yeah. with Georgia and Alabama. It's it's definitely – the quarterback on this roster definitely can't beat Georgia. So that's something yeah. – and the wide receiver – That's a great yeah, way to put it. I mean, absolutely. It's a great way to put it. You, you know, and the wide receiver um, position is another thing that we have to worry about. I do think the defense could – could be up to par. Um, we don't even know. I don't even think Georgia knows who their starting quarterback is. Yeah. Yet. So that's yeah. been something to watch for because 
um, especially with UGA, Brock Vandegrift. That's a name to watch for who could enter the portal. He has announced he is staying. Oh, he's he staying. Has, he has announced uh, that he will, see, oh, he will okay. be staying at Georgia. Okay, so he's staying at Georgia. That was going to be somebody to watch, especially because he grew up an Auburn fan and wanted to come to Auburn. I think the staff just um, did not recruit him. The previous staff did not recruit him um, at a very high level. Surprise, surprise. Um, and so he was a five-star quarterback. So that would have been one to watch for. Uh, that's unfortunate that he's staying. Dang. Um, but yeah, yeah, he announced that I think earlier today or late last today. night, something okay. like that. Yeah. Okay. So it's new. So it's relatively new. It's relatively news. new. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah. So that's that's going to be a tough one. I definitely put that down as a loss either way, uh, unless you know if Hugh Freeze shocks the world. <laughs> man. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think that he's going to get a lot of the Auburn fan base oh, behind man. him. If he can pull out that game, oh but I, I, I'd be, I'd be incredibly shocked. shocked. Agreed. If Auburn's able to pull that out, the next game, I think this one's also going to be a little bit tough. At LSU, you've got an eleven point three percent chance to win that game. LSU did not lose a whole lot. Mm-hmm. They embarrassed you in Jordan Hare Stadium last year. Uh, Auburn has game, demons yeah, in, in Baton Rouge. Two touchdowns. Yeah, I, 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 the LSU game. I, I think it'll be closer. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be. I think it'll be no more than a two possession game. But I expect LSU to win that game. Yeah, I, I mean, a better coach game last year in Jordan Hare, and Auburn wins that, right? So I certainly I, possible. I, I certainly think it's possible. I think it's highly possible um, a, a, that you know any other a better coach wins that game probably. Um, but going into Baton Rouge, I I would be willing to bet a decent amount of money that it'll end up being a night game. Um, yeah, and a night game in Baton Rouge. Let's be real; that's pretty freaking hard to win in. Um, so, coming from somebody who went to LSU, so I know for for you, Andrew, um, you can attest to how difficult it is for for mm-hmm. teams to really win um, in in Baton Rouge. It is like also kind of another like Hugh Freeze is also zero and three all time in death oh, valleys. Like so, yeah. yeah. Especially it's yeah. a night game. I mean, it's like no Hugh Freeze brought number three Ole Miss team and like LSU was already twenty fourth. LSU topped him. Like so, yeah. I'd say this one's like this is first season still raw, like raw teams. Like right. I, I don't like this game for Auburn. Yeah. These next two I think are the most interesting games on the schedule. First one you host after that LSU game you host the Ole Miss Rebels. Let's ignore the storylines because there are several. <laughs> and let's Dude, just focus on the football not. here for a second. Oh Toxic. Uh, uh, ESPN gives Auburn a 33.8% chance to win that game. I think I think Auburn loses this one. I think really? Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is just the better team right now. I think. I think they have the better head coach. That's my opinion. Uh, I, I can be swayed, but I think Lane Kiffin is a better coach than Hugh Freeze. Uh, and part of that is because I wanted him so desperately at Auburn. I, I still bias. do. I still bias. do. I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit my bias. bias. I absolutely will. <laughs> I mean, also, Kiffin like, pulled Golding from Alabama. So was like, He did pull Golding from I, Alabama. I, I he was Ole Miss's defense to be a little bit better. While Pete, Golding, while Pete Golding did not live up to the standard yeah. at, at Alabama, He's going to greatly raise the floor at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. He is I going to greatly right. raise the floor at Ole Miss. That's fair. He is a competent DC. He just was not quite was what not Alabama. The, yeah. yeah, he was not, not the quite Alabama DC that they that they expect. So that's yeah. fair. I, um, I think Alabama still finished in the top twenty in most major categories within the right, DC. Yeah. Right. Um, so that'll that'll be a tough one. Definitely, I think Ole Miss will be a tough one. I think the impact that Jordan Hare Stadium um, will bring. I think that's something that's going to be big time. Um, that atmosphere will definitely elevate Auburn. You know, chances as it usually does, right? Um, and 
you know, 33.8%. I would probably put it closer to like a 45% really that Auburn lo- like has a chance. Right. And again, these are, these are algorithmic. Right. People aren't just right. throwing out these numbers. No, no, but for sure, for sure. This, I, this is a machine that they put the numbers into that none yeah. of us know how to work. Right. I so, mean, I like this as a one-possession game. Right. And it, it, feel, think, it feels like it, it could, could very be. easily be a one-possession game or Ole Miss kicks a field goal or Auburn kicks a field goal at the very right. end to, the, to extend it to a two-touchdown right. lead or something like that. Yeah. And so that'll be a tough one for Auburn. Uh, I, I could see him getting it, but it, it'll definitely be a, a difficult game. This is the first SEC game that Auburn will be favored in. They host Ole, or excuse me, after Ole Miss, they host Mississippi State. A fifty-five point four percent chance to win. Mississippi State's kind of a program in disarray right now. Um, right. Obviously, what happened with Mike Leach and his untimely passing. There, there's a lot going on. That I have no idea how that team's going to respond. This may be a bad year for old, for Mississippi State football, and it could have nothing to do with football. any mistakes yeah. that were made right. by the staff. Yeah. It's just it's it's a bad way. But if they respond, I think Auburn's roster is a little bit better, not a lot better, but a little bit. Uh, so I think Auburn has a good chance to win this game, especially playing at home. Uh, I think this is going to. I think these two games, the two Mississippi schools, you play in back-to-back weeks. This is going to go a long way in deciding how good Auburn season is. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's definitely a game that you got to get if you're Auburn, uh, especially since you're at home. Uh, uh, and and you're right, Brent, that Mississippi State just might have a tough season because of the way that the team has transitioned. You know, it's tough the passing of Mike Mike Leach um, may he rest in peace you know that was just so unfortunate and the way things came about and it was so sudden um, you know a lot of those players might still be reeling and just still kind of trying to get a feel for the new head coach who was the defensive coordinator so he was already on staff it's interesting um, to me that in an in a team like Mississippi State you go from Mike Leach as the head coach, and then you name the defensive coordinator as the interim, right. and then promote him to full time head coach. I'm interested to see how that they changes. If it does yeah. change well, anything, I, I don't know. That's weird going from Mike Leach to a defensive coordinator. I can kind of go to that. I mean, it's like Arnett was kind of like getting a draw. It's like right. he was already like a big like DC name. So it's like yeah. it's Mississippi State thought like, all right, he's kind of like we like him where he's at. Let's just go ahead and name him head coach now and like lock him down. That's fair. That's fair. It's a fair move, and and it gives some continuity at least in the terms of having somebody that recruited a lot of the probably a lot of the defensive players that are on that roster, um, trying to get them to stay, especially just how things went down with or how things happened with Mike Leach and, and how that how he did pass away. So it kind of gives some continuity. Somebody who comes in and already understands the situation of losing somebody like that um, and can really empathize with the players. So I do think that was a pretty solid and smart move by Mississippi State overall, uh, the way that he'll be able to handle the players and the way that he'll be able um, to to handle the staff overall. So um, I do think Auburn wins this game. Ultimately, that's that's um, that I think I like the favorability. I think um, this will definitely also come down to a one possession game one two possession game you know i could see like auburn winning or um winning by about 10 10 points somewhere around there um so yeah a, a solid solid game yeah i i agree i think auburn could win this game but i i do i do agree that it's smart by mississippi state to bring in or to promote somebody from within rather than go out and get somebody yeah. new someone who was in the building who was as affected by this as all the players all right, all right four minutes and four teams left to get through uh the next game that the auburn plays is vanderbilt they go to vanderbilt espn gives them a 68.9 
So close. 68.9% <laughs> chance to win that game. I agree. Vanderbilt's kind of at the bottom of the barrel. They've they've had some good years, but none recently. Agreed. Uh, and they're just not very good. Going to Vandy, going to Nashville makes it a little bit harder, but how much no. harder? I, yeah. And, I, I and Auburn has a big following in Nashville anyway. That's true. So That's true. It, it could end up being just like another home yeah. game. Right. We've got to be quick here. This- uh, I'll get this off quickly. It's like I feel like Auburn wins, but it's kind of important to know. It's like Auburn's lost their last two trips at Vanderbilt, so yeah. like, it would be yeah. nice like to get a, a win there finally. Absolutely. That ne- uh, next game, you another away SEC game. You go to Arkansas, thirty-three point two percent chance to win. It's late in the season. It's very possible that Arkansas has had their annual collapse by that season. <laughs> um, Fingers that's, crossed. That's what Arkansas seems to do: is right. they start out hot, then they play Alabama, they get beat by thirty, and then they kind of give up on the season. Right. Uh, and it, it would have happened by that point for the Hogs. Uh, but I don't know. I, I like um, – crap, who's the coach there at Arkansas? Pittman. Pittman. Sam Pittman, thank you. I like Sam Pittman. I think he's great for Arkansas. I just don't know – I don't know if Ar- I don't know where Arkansas's ceiling is. Yeah, I don't. I don't either, think it's of. at the same height as Alabama's or Auburn's or any of the big time programs in in college football. So yeah, I think Arkansas is a is a mid level program and it will continue to stay there um, until something changes. Uh, next game, another paycheck game. New Mexico State. You host them. Ninety six point two percent chance to win that one, barring something catastrophic happening in the middle yeah. of the season. I think that's a pretty easy win. And then the Iron Bowl being hosted by Auburn this year, uh, 8.5% chance from ESPN's FPI. Um, Alabama's Alabama. Bama is Bama. That is very true. They're they're hard to beat. They're hard to beat, man. And uh, I just don't know if Auburn can can really – again, I think Auburn's two years away from competing with their two biggest rivals. Agreed. I I don't know how, you know, the the Jordan Hare – could affect it. I you never know. Um, there's voodoo in that building, especially vo- for Alabama. In the, exactly. And I think Alabama is starting to tail off a little bit, but mm-hmm. they're still significantly. Uh, yeah, and and it'll also come down to their quarterback play because nobody knows how their quarter who their quarterback is either. So there's no full decision on that either. So um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this season plays out for Auburn football. Like I think we all believe that there is no quarterback left. Um, that the quarterback that's going to be the starter is not on this roster just yet. Uh, so I think that's going to play a big, big part in how things um, end up moving forward for the team uh, and Hugh Freeze. And I think uh, he's going to build a decent program. I think this year is going to be a, a definitely a transition year. So it'll definitely be something to uh, to watch as the season goes along. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that should just about do it for today's episode of Sports Call. Um, big thank you to Katie Whittlesey, uh, the president of the East Community Foundation of East Alabama, uh, for stopping by today. Um, again, we're out here at Glen Smith Chevrolet Buick GMC um, uh, to, to promote the Caring for Dadeville Fund. Um, 100% of these funds are going to grants that will be distributed to this community, a community very much in need. The, this we still got about 30 minutes left in this uh, in this event. But that is going to do it for Sports Call here today. I'm Brant Daughtry. Thank you so very much for having me. From Canberry and Andrew Martin, we will talk to you all on Monday.
My joints aren't what they used to be. Routine exercise, playing ball outside with the kids, riding bikes on vacation. I never worried about